Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Uh, I'm going to shift gears and invite uh, Nathan to come up and speak. And uh, I'm not speaking today. I'm so glad for that because I get to sit and listen and uh, absorb and uh, discern what, how God is speaking to us as a church through a different voice. And so we want to welcome Nathan. Uh, I'm going to just give you a little heads up. Next week, we're starting a new series. Uh, and every fall, the last couple of years, we've focused on a certain spiritual practice. Uh, we did prayer a couple of years ago, scripture. Next week, we're kicking off a few weeks on the practice of worship. And uh, so we're going to do that for a few weeks in the middle of this fall. But in between, Nathan has uh, some words for us. So, yeah, welcome, Nathan. Thanks, thanks. Awesome. It seems to be working. You guys can hear me. That's good. Good news. All right. Awesome. Good to see you. I got a table here. Tables are useful. Hi, everyone. Sorry, take a minute to get together. That that last verse of that song just got to me. It was was something. Um, All right. So, hi. Um, This is... uh, uh, my, my name's Nathan. Uh, I've been part of Westside for 10 years now. I was talking to Stefan about this on the way here. 10 years is a while. Um, and uh, you might not see me that often around because I've also been serving with uh, our sister churches. And the message I'm sharing today is actually a message I, I preached in French uh, about a month ago. And, uh, and when I was there, i got to apologize. Um, when I was there, I said hi from Westside to them because I just thought, why not? I didn't ask for permission first. But I think you guys will forgive me of that. And, and I'm going to do the same thing. So l'Église de Saint-Eustache dit bonjour. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so they're, they're returning. And I didn't, I didn't ask them either. So in some ways, I'm just not continuing in my, my w- wicked ways. But uh, you'll forgive me. Um, yeah, so, so um, my, this, I got a help wanted ad there on the screen. Um, and uh, the, 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 the theme of today is workers needed. Um, and I don't know if you guys are aware that in Quebec we have a, uh, a major workers shortage. I work in the, the, the field of education, and it's hard to find teachers. Um, and uh, I know the people that work in hospitals say it's hard, hard to find nurses. It's hard to find everyone, everyone everywhere, it seems. Like you go to a grocery store or anywhere you go, there's, there's always that sign of like, we're looking for somebody. And, there's even, and you've seen these signs like the ones that, like the one right here that you've, you've, I'm sure have seen before that uh, kind of like, uh, you always, they're always looking for people to do work. And um, what happens is when you don't have a person to do a job, you tend to find whoever, even with, without experience, you'll just kind of expect anyone, anyone who comes, I'll give you the job. Here, have it, take it. I need someone to, 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 to do that. And uh, I actually got my start in teaching as a, as a, as a high school teacher in junior high at a, at a school in the West Island that it will remain nameless. Um, but uh, I did, uh, I did a grade seven science and grade eight French without any training whatsoever. And if you know junior high kids, they're kind of like guard dogs. They can smell your fear. And, uh, and they make it really hard on you. And it was a really long year. I, um, I had, the, I had a, a hard time making it through to the end, but I did in the end. And it didn't discourage me from becoming a teacher. And I eventually, and now I teach grade six, which isn't that far off. But, um, but, but, but that was a tough year. And uh, when I had done that year, I had told myself, I will never again teach high school. Um, and that's often the reaction. When you end up doing a job poorly, uh, you kind of have, often have the feeling of like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to try again. It is, I have burnt that bridge. There is no chance that I'm going to try that again. 
And um, today, the work we're talking about in this in this in this teaching on workers needed is the work of the go- of sharing the gospel, the work of uh, following Jesus, but in a way that's practical and tangible to your neighbors and to your friends. And often, a lot of us have tried that in the past and are feeling burnt out by it. Uh, we feel that, um, for one, we did, probably didn't do a good job last time we did it. And for two, if we try again, it's probably going to be really awkward and painful and difficult. And we love our friends and our neighbors and our family members so much that we don't want to mess it up. So what we'll do instead is we'll invite them to church or to gatherings or events, and we'll hope David does a better job because he's fantastic. But myself, personally, I don't think I can do it. That, 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 that thought kind of comes through your mind often, and we kind of try to leave the whole ministry and, and, and Christian work to the professionals because as amateurs like me and you, uh, oh, we can't do it. It's just too hard. It's something that we often feel like. But today, as any day that we come up in front and we open the Gospels together, we're bringing good news. So the good news is, yes, you can do this. Uh, you, can, you can be a worker in the kingdom, and it's something that God can equip you to do, can equip absolutely anyone to do. Um, and our, our willingness, and that last verse of the song where it says, uh, if, if you gave your life to love them, so can I, you can do the same. You can give your life to love the people that God loves. And, uh, and what we're going to do is I'm going to read a passage starting in Matthew 9. We're going to read a section, I'm going to stop, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. And then I'm going to read another section. And instead of doing the whole section at the beginning, so you're going to have to follow with me. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew 9. It'll also be on the screen. And, um, and if you're following online, you could also follow uh, uh, through the screen as well. So that's, that's the plan. Uh, we're Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. So here it goes. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that a nice description? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So in this passage here, we see a main truth that I think a lot of us tend to forget sometimes. When Jesus looks at a crowd of people and he's busy healing diseases and, 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 and sharing the good news of the kingdom, he, he sees them like crowds um, of, of sheep, harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And a shepherdless sheep is lost, is helpless, and, and we can see that image in our mind. And, and, and often we, we tend to, to see the people around us as people who have it all together, but it's not true. There is a deep need for Jesus and for the good news of Jesus. And there is a harvest that is plentiful. Um, the harvest is plentiful is a, is a belief that we need to kind of keep in our minds. That not only, well, a harvest is, like, I'm not, we're not, I don't know if anyone here is a farmer, I don't think anyone is, but uh, um, if there is, uh, uh, good kudos, really good job to do. Um, but we, uh, we don't quite use the harvest word often, but the harvest is like the end of the job. It's, it's when you're already done all the planting and, and, and getting rid of the bugs and all that. Like the harvest is where you kind of just gather all the good stuff that has been, that has been sown and, and that has grown and God has made, made work. So when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, what he's saying isn't, okay, you have a tough job ahead of you that you need to start and it's going to take forever. And No, he's saying, no, there's people even now that, that are ready 
to hear the gospel, that are ready to hear the good news, that are ready to receive healing and, and, and transformation. And we often believe that, that the Quebec that we're around, that, that surrounds us, is a cold and, dip, and, and pl place that's away from Jesus and that has no interest. But, but what Jesus says in this moment, when he looks around him, is that the harvest is plentiful. And maybe he was talking just of that specific time and that specific place, but I believe profoundly, and what I've seen in my experience is that people around us have a deep need for something more than what they have. That when we talk about harassed and helpless people that need healing and transformation from Jesus, we're talking about our neighbors and our, and our friends and the people that we meet every day. So, so let's believe that. Let's believe that the harvest is plentiful, that God is preparing a work in that uh, everywhere that we, that we go and that we are. And there are people that are being prepared for that. So Jesus asks for us to pray for workers to be sent because workers are, f are few. He asks the disciples to pray that, and then he immediately, the beginning of chapter 10, sends off his disciples as workers. So let's, let's jump ahead to, to, to Matthew 10, verse 1 to 5. It's immediately after. He says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits to, and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter the town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is come near, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's quite the message. And I think, I, I feel like um, it might have been an intimidating situation. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been hanging around with Jesus for a bit. I don't know how ready I would have felt to be like, okay, you want me to, me, me to go now? And uh, thankfully, in another, other parts of scripture, it says that, they, that the disciples were paired up two by two. So they weren't alone to go out in there. But I still feel like it would have been a bit of an intimidating situation to be like, okay, go, have fun. No, I think there's a, there's a level of, of, of stress there that was probably there. But I do think that um, these people, although they did some exceptional things by, by, at the end, weren't necessarily the most exceptional of people. If you read scripture... Well, you, you guys probably know of, of, of Peter and, and how his, he had some major failings. He was a, uh, a man who, who did um, some very impulsive, violent things. If you look at, um, if you look at, at the, the, the brothers, uh, the, uh, James and, and, and John, they were super ambitious and got, got, got everybody else's nerves. Judas may even betrayed Jesus. So we have these, these disciples that, that actually don't, strike as, like, come out as, like, the big superstars that, that, that we tend to put them as. And then there's Thaddeus. I mean, have you guys heard about Thaddeus? No? Maybe, maybe. How about, how about Bartholomew? I'm sure you guys are big fans of Bartholomew. Actually, no, no part, of, part of it is we don't, we, we, we have... Uh, these, yes, these superstar Christians like Paul and Peter and others who do become great leaders in the church, 
And I'm sure a lot of these disciples did become great leaders in the church, but if we look through church history, back 2,000 years, we're standing on the work of millions of believers who are anonymous, just like you and I. People who um, didn't maybe lead churches, but they led their kids to faith. They led, led their neighbors to faith. They led their family to faith because of their faithful witness in the place where God put them. So if the disciples aren't superstars, and if we see their failings and their lackings, we have hope for ourselves being people who also have failings and lackings. And these are the people that God sends out. And what he sends them out to do is to share the good news. But more than that, he does give them authority and power to heal the sick, to raise dead, to cleanse those who have leprosy, to drive out demons, and he gives them the power to do that in the situations that they have. I don't know if Jesus has given me specifically the power to raise the dead. I'm not convinced of that, and I haven't tried, to be honest. Um, and please don't drop dead right now, because I don't know what I would do. Um, but, but at the same time, what, what the, the, there's a key principle there that, that was right there that I think that he sent, that, we sent, that ends that passage where he says, freely you have received, freely give. So if you are convinced that God has given you the ability to, to show hospitality to people, freely you've received that, freely give it. If God has given you the, the, the conviction that he can heal when you pray, then pray for people's healing. If God has given you the, the conviction that you can share and teach, uh, then, then freely you've been given it. Give it. Share. Do that. Freely you've received, freely give. I, um, um, I, I have a weird story, but I'm not going to go deep, too deep, deep into details about it. But I, 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 uh, when I was sent to, to teach in China, um, I... Um, I had a, a leader, a Christian leader, who prayed over me, and he prayed these words, which are from Romans 10, 15. Um, this is uh, years and years ago, a teenager at the time. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I remember he was praying over, the, over me and a group of other leaders who were going to, to teach English in China, and, uh, and I laughed out loud. I didn't, couldn't even keep it inside when he prayed this. Um, because he didn't know that at the time I had probably the worst wart colony on my feet of all time. <laughs> and this is absolutely gross. And yes, I am sharing this online. Um, it's all open and super vulnerable with you guys here at the moment. Um, I, 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 had, I had these, like one foot in specific was really bad. And the doctor had said this is the worst he had ever seen. South, South African guy, I remember he said it. I can't imitate the accent. It was, it was, but it was, yeah, it, was, it marked me. And uh, I, I had this, this, I had this really disgusting foot. And I laughed, and I told him, but I laughed. And he's like, and he just kind of nodded, as Christian leaders do when, when, when we say things. And, and then, sure enough, as we went over to, as we went over to China, and in the next following weeks, uh, my, my, the, the, the colony cleared up, and I had clean feet. And if I, could, I could show you my feet now. I'm not going to, but I could. I took off my sock, uh, and, I, and I felt like in that moment that Jesus healed me of that. Is it something that I will share with my non-believer friend say, I believe in Jesus. He can heal warts. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like, here, let me show you my foot. I'm not, that's not, I'm not going to do that either. But what I will know is that we believe in a, a Jesus who has a personal interest in our lives. 
Um, and uh, when he says to freely you've received, freely give, one thing that we've all received as people who've come here and who come to Westside and who start understanding uh, what the truth of the gospel is, we all believe the one message that he asks his disciples to proclaim. Because that's it. Go proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the core of our message. I feel like a lot of us have got lost in this whole idea of like, we're going to tell people about Jesus, we're going to be telling them that they're going to hell. That's not it. The message, the key message that, we're, that the disciples were sent out with was that the kingdom of heaven has come near. There's a proximity available um, with God that nothing else in the world can provide. And our calling as believers is to go and share that with people and share that message that the kingdom of God is near. And what that means for us specifically in our environment will depend on where we see God's kingdom peeking through. I mean, sometimes uh, when I walk through the neighborhood, I see these people who are amazing gardeners. My wife's fantastic. She's doing a really good job at, with our front, front porch area and decorating and everything. Um, but there, when I see someone with a good gardener, I often feel like, hey, that person is really showing the creativity that God put in his heart. And I would say, hey, you know, that's really amazing what you're doing. I think you're imitating uh, you know, the, the great creator who does amazing work. And he can be like, what? You're so weird. And that's okay. But, but, but at the same time, when we talk about the generosity that we see in people, when we, talk the, when we see good parents or, or good organizers or people in our, in our, in our workplace or in our environments or in our, in, in our neighborhoods, and we see the, them doing um, that, the work that God is doing, we can also say, hey, I think that God is inspiring you in the way that you're parenting. It's amazing how you take such good care of your kids. And I can, I can say that to a person. They can either take it as a compliment, which is hopefully what I'm going to, or they can take it as a, I'm a weird person. That's okay too. But at the same time, I can also say that the kingdom of God is near. And when I see a hurting person and a person who's going through a difficult time, who's struggling, I can also say, hey, I believe that God wants to come near to you. Can I, pr- can I pray that you feel God's comfort in this moment? Can I pray that God will bring healing to this wound that you're feeling at the moment? Because we do believe that the kingdom of God has come near. That's the message. But then Jesus continues on when he sends out his disciples. He also gives them a, a, a way to do, what the, to do the message. Because as we know, um, uh, the way we do something is often as important as the things we say. And if we look at how he sends off the disciples, he gives some really strategic uh, posture in, uh, clues. Like uh, He gives them these, this specific instruction on how to go as his disciple into the world. So I'm going to read a little bit further on from Matthew 10, 9 to 13. This is where it gets a bit strange for some of us, I think. It says, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person to stay at your house until you leave, uh, to stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So some interesting strategic plan here. I'm going to send you off 
take nothing. It's a really odd, um, a, a really, I think, odd instruction. Like, uh, I was thinking, like, how, how, would we, how would we modernize this? Like, what would be the, uh, uh, the modern equivalent of this? Um, what, what would God have us leave behind? And I thought, well, what do you, what do you leave home with when you, when you leave, when you go, to go out the door? I, I have a check. My wife makes fun of me because I have to kind of, like, check for if I, have my, if I have my keys in one pocket, I have my, my phone in the other, and, uh, and my wallet. Okay, my wallet, back pocket. Okay, I'm good to go. I got everything. But that's, that's what we do. We have, that, we have those three things. You have our keys, we have our phone, we have our wallet, we're good to go. We have, we're, we're equipped. Jesus tells his disciples, to, uh, the, old school, like, uh, the old school equivalent of that was leave your cloak, leave your purse, your money purse, leave your sandals, just, just go. The mobility is left behind. The money is left behind. Anything that would make your life comfortable is left behind. Just go and rely on where God sends you to the people that he sends you with. Now, strategically, it doesn't seem to make too much sense, but then I think there's a key idea that I think God wants us to understand as we go forward to do his mission and his work. It's the one that we need to rely on God even in our most basic needs. And often I feel that maybe one of the reasons we don't see the people around us who are, who are in need of our help is because we're so self-reliant on the things that we have to do the things that we need to do in the day that we forget that there's people around us that God is calling us to go towards. So, so when we get in our car, and go from point A to point B and see absolutely no one in the way because we're driving there, instead of taking a bus, or instead of walking, or what are, what are the chances of meeting someone? If we are to- so busy with our phone and we're waiting in line somewhere, what are the chances of us greeting somebody that might return the greeting and want to chat? I was at, the, I was at a, clinic, a walk-in clinic last night, yesterday with my daughter, and we got to talking with a, 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 a mother and a daughter who also happened to have hurt their arm. They're, they were both fine. Both, both kids were fine. But, um, uh, but, but we got to meet someone because I think I had stopped playing with my phone. And I, after three hours, you kind of run out of things to do on your phone anyway. But, um, but at the same time, it, it was a reminder of, you know, we tend to quickly rely on the things we have instead of go towards the people around us. So if I, I, if I have a problem, I need to, I, I need, I'm missing something for my, my house, I'm going to run over to the Home Depot right away. I'm, there's no chance I'm going to go bug that neighbor across the way who I find kind of weird. But no, there's maybe an opportunity that God's preparing and then, so that's the first, first idea, is to, to put aside the things you rely on and trust that God's going to provide those things. And then the second idea is to, to look for people of peace in your life, people that will re- reciprocate that greeting. When you say hi, they'll say hi back and say, hey, peace, and they'll say peace back to you. Maybe not in that specific way because we're not in Southern California, but, um, but at the same time, I, the, the general idea of looking for the people who, who want to be part of your life and, the, and, and to make space for that, even if it requires uh, cutting back on some, some, some acti- other activities that keep you busy. Um, people of peace, it's a huge concept, and we could maybe talk about that some other time, about like what is a person of peace, how do you identify that? But part of it is when you, when you meet those people, you stick with them, and you trust that God is, uh, there's a reason that God put them on your path. Um, and... Uh, and that, 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 those two ways of putting aside the things that, that distract you and looking for the people that God is calling you to and praying, God, who, who are you sending me towards? 
these two ideas give us that opportunity to see, you know, who am I called to? And who do I need to say, hey, the kingdom of God has come near? To whom do I need to say that? So I'm, I'm circling back to the end here. There's, there's, so there's five main ideas. Let me recap them. So one, the harvest is plentiful. So God is preparing people that, that need to hear um, uh, the gospel and that are ready to respond to the gospel. Two, like the disciples, God's calling regular people like you and me to be part of it. You know, we are, or we are all the Thaddeuses of this world, perhaps. But that's okay, because God is calling us. And even if we're completely forgotten in the grand scheme of things, um, God's called each one of us to work. And what do we share? Well, we share freely what God has shared with us. So if God has given us uh, talents and gifts, then that's what we can share with others and use that as means to, 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 to reach the world. And the message that we bring isn't a message of this, let me explain to you the five tenets of faith. No, it's number one, the kingdom of God is near. I personally know that Jesus is at work in my life. Let me talk to you about what, I, what, I, what I'm feeling right now. And if they respond, then great. If they don't, you wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next person. It's okay. And in our everyday lives, God is placing people of peace in our path, people that are ready to respond. Let me um, finish with an example of, of a person who got this. And I decided I wouldn't go very far. I'd go here in Quebec. I don't know if you guys know of the story of Alfred Besset. No? Frère André, Saint-André. He's uh, responsible for the, 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 the construction of the St. Joseph's Oratory. But born in the 1840s, uh, really small, fragile, one of 12 kids, um, he, he, the sickly one, uh, orphan at the age of 12, uneducated. Um, he, he went to, to work in the States, try to learn some trades, but you know, as a carpenter, he was useless. Uh, most jobs they put him in, he couldn't really pull off. Um, he wasn't able to read, sorry, with an alphabet, because I couldn't remember the English word for that. But yeah, he's, he's, he was one able, uh, he, can, he could barely learn to read and write his name. Um, he, he decided God was call, he felt like God was calling him to be a priest, and uh, they sent him to these training schools that, that, to, to be a priest. And uh, it took him longer. It took him th three years when it was supposed to take him one. And in the end, they barely admitted him in. I, him in. Uh, the priests that were supervising said, you know, well, he won't be really good for anything, but at least he knows how to pray. That's, you can take him for that. Um, so what they did, they gave him a job at the Collège Notre-Dame on Queen Mary. And, uh, and his job was to, to watch the door. They opened the door, closed the door. He's the guy that would be called at the school if some kid puked. He'd wipe that up. He'd do the regular handy, you know, change a light bulb, regular handyman stuff. Um, he did that for 40 years. 40 years. And then he, he would joke that the, 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 the minute they, they hired him, then they showed him the door the same day. Um, and, and, then, and then what? And, and he was not, he's not the poster boy of this is the most potential that we can have in, the, in, the, in, a, in a person. No. He was like probably the person in the group that you would say he has the least potential of the gang. But he's responsible for the construction of one of the biggest church buildings in the world. When it was built, it was the second biggest after St. Peter's in Rome. And they intentionally made it just a little bit smaller because they didn't want a big bigger than St. Peter's in Rome. And how did it get there? Well, what did he do? How to go from being this 
no potential uneducated person to being one of the biggest, important, most influential Christian leaders in Quebec history. Well, one, uh, there, was a, there were some sick people, and he felt like he should pray for them. So he prayed for them, and they were healed. That's all he had. He, he freely received that God, he, free, he received this belief from God, the spirit of faith that said he could pray for someone and God would heal him. That was the, the conviction that he would have. So he would pray, and the person got healed. So more people came. And he'd pray for them, and they got healed too. And he started making the people at the college uncomfortable, so they had to move to the bus stop across the road. And the tramway would bring up people who would come, and he'd pray for them. And when the tramway got over, overcrowded because there was too many people coming to get prayed for, they moved him up the hill a little bit to a small chapel. And they would pray for him, and he would pray there. And people would be healed. And then the bigger, and then the bigger thing came much, much later. But for 40 years, he worked as a doorman. And was there something exceptional about him? Yeah, I think so. But he was just basically following what we just talked about today. God had freely given him this, this understanding that prayer, he, he believes in his mind, like many of us do, that God can bring healing, but he also had the courage to be like, okay, I'll pray for you. He had no, he had no worry about what people would think. He's just like, you know, I'm just going to pray for you when you're sick. It's fine, I'll do that. And, and, and the rest kind of like, came to God, and God did the rest from that. God's not looking for the superstar. He's looking for the faithful. And uh, when asked about his life, one of the things that uh, uh, Frère André would say, and I wrote it in French because I couldn't find a way to translate it. I'll try afterwards. But he'd say, he'd say this. C'est étonnant. On me demande souvent des guérisons, mais, mais bien rarement l'humilité et l'esprit de foi. C'est pourtant si important. It's surprising. We ask, they ask me often for healing, but rarely for humility and the spirit of faith. However, that's so important. So let's rework our mentality on what it means to be a worker in the kingdom. Let's forget this whole mentality of that you need to be the superstar. And let's, let's do, because what happens is we often see this person with great spiritual success like Frère André and we'll be like, oh, wow, you know, we need to, we need to find his business, his, his ministry model and imitate it. No, it's, 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 it's a lot less complicated than that. Just let's follow the instructions of Jesus where we faithfully go and share what God has given us to the people around us in, in humility, in a spirit of faith that God's going to do something because the harvest is near. And let's just trust that he will make, that God will grow his church through that. Um, I'm going to ask maybe David to come up and, and pray for us in this. Uh, I, I think that uh, we hopefully are feeling a, a tug uh, and hopefully I've managed to make you guys realize that you could be part of this too. Um, and um, yeah, so, so maybe yeah, let's, let's pray together for, for this. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan, for that word. That was, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling very moved and partly broken today as I'm hearing this. And uh, what struck me as he was sharing this last story is that um, many of you might not, some of you know this, but not all do. We've been part of a ministry called SOAR Montreal that gathers young people from across Canada to come to Quebec and serve for two weeks and learn and grow and serve the city. 
and they slept every night at Notre, College Notre Dame across the street from the oratory. Um, and so this group of young people were discipled, learned to worship and serve our city in College Notre Dame. And usually at least once during the week, they'd walk over to the oratory on the big balcony that overlooks and they'd worship and pray and seek the Lord um, on behalf of our city uh, off, off that balcony. And uh, they often also did it at the, at the Belvedere uh, viewpoint on Mount Royal. And um, yeah, that place, that location, um, to see believers even today standing and saying, Lord, would you, would you, would you just flood through our province and um, have your way in our province in a powerful way? So that's, so that's um, yeah, I'm just broken in, in hearing, being reminded of that. The good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Isn't it amazing? Jesus just, when he announced that, he said, repent and believe, like that was enough. God's kingdom is near. Lord, we thank you. Let's take a moment right now and just be grateful. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to um, even just visually put a face, a home, an apartment, a coworker in our mind. We were reminded today that the harvest is plentiful and it's, it's there, it's present. Who is that in your life today? Who is that in your family today? Who is that in your workplace or your neighborhood or your friend group? Maybe someone who's at your local gym. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to bring even one or two of those names and faces to mind. They're part of God's harvest. He already loves them. He's already working in them. They could be people of peace in your life in this season, this month, this week. Holy Spirit, come. God, thank you for breaking my heart today in a fresh way for the harvest. Thank you for um, reminding us of the world you deeply love and care for. God, help us to see our blind spots. The blind spots that cause us to miss the people in our lives. That would be ready to hear that your kingdom has come near. Maybe longing to hear that your kingdom has come near. God, open our eyes, our lives, our schedules our pocketbooks, whatever it is as part of our lives, Lord, to enter into this beautiful work. Thank you that you use ordinary people like us to reach ordinary people on our streets for your incredible kingdom. Forgive us, God, for any obstacles, pride, disbelief, 
sin that stands in the way. But we also stand so grateful because your kingdom has come near to us. And you've been merciful to us and gracious to us and loving. And you've revealed your son to us. Oh God, may that overflow to others in our lives. May we simply, as a church and as individuals throughout the week connected to one another, just be so open to the work of your spirit and recognize uh, when and where and how we just say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.